Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Comics Fondle podcast since uh, C2E2. So it has been a long time since we've podcasted, like five, six weeks? I think so. It's been a real busy uh, springtime for us, and, uh, well, you, you've been house hunting and successful at that, yep. so that's too busy, and... Me, while well, I run a store, so the, the, the we caught the good weather's bringing them in, you know. The children are coming out from the gutters and, and working their way into my store to drive me crazy. Not to mention the cats. Yeah, cats. Lots of problems with cats. If there are any problems tonight, it'll be a cat-related one. Yeah, exactly. So, um... Where to begin? Are we yeah, we've got a lot things? to talk about. Um, we do. Where to begin? You want to talk about some new stuff that come out recently? Maybe yeah, we'll start with let's that. Work about our new way stuff. In. Okay, let's see here. We uh, we recently both finished off the uh, last issue of the Furious uh, uh, storyline by uh, what's his name, Brian Glass and Victor Santos from Dark yep. Horse, and no, we that's... both found that pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I saw in your review it, it was it was pretty similar uh, about the real like ending, which is a little sweet and a little saccharine, but it still works because of the context of uh, the girls emotional events that go on. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really crazy book and it's we we met him at the uh, at C2E2. He was there and um, he talked to us about, you know, the creative process behind this book. So it was very strange to go into the fifth book um sort of understanding where the book came from uh and then what it actually turned out to be because it sounds like where it came from was sort of a pitch to one of the yeah. two and he, he managed to you know turn it into this fantastic uh story of of this uh this young woman and yeah i mean the last issue is awesome because i didn't say this in my post because it was too much of a tangent but it kind of reminded me of one of those um really shitty bendis ultimate spider-man all action issues okay Because this issue starts with a – the entire issue is basically resolving the cliffhanger from the previous issue. And then you have an episode. Right. It's like all action. It's all action. Except it's not because, you know, they figure in this flashback. They figure in – I'm just – Santos's art, you know, like we'd never really – I'd never – I've never heard of Empire, no. Yeah, and I mean, this issue has, like, just fantastic action art. There's so much movement with it. I mean, it's just beautiful. And you got to wonder how the actual script worked. Did Santos come up with the um, composition? I'm thinking about that scene where, well, there's one scene that really resolves uh, the the action cliffhanger. And there are all these, like, emphasis shot panels throughout the page. And it's like, was that in the original script? Or did Santos just go, hey, let's just – because it, it's just great. It's a great it, – It's one of those rare occurrences where the chemistry between writer and artist is right spot on, and they are able to convincingly depict every single little nuance they want to do. I mean the emotional state of mind of the lead character is is really crazy, but they balance that on top of a bunch of other factors about her life and these flashbacks and – it's just a really great combination of words and pictures that only two creative individuals who are in sync with one another exactly. can do. Yeah, it was yeah. very convincing. And and under most circumstances, I would have been let down by the ending a slight bit because it's very sweet. But 
especially with all the carnage that's going on before. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, this book was great, and uh, these guys should be uh, applauded for a really nice combination. And uh, I think this will be really nice for a, a good collection. I think this will really be do a good nice collection. I was great. thinking yeah. about that. Um, yeah, hopefully they won't just both get jobs at DC and to- or Marvel yeah. and toil away on crap for years. Yeah, we were talking about Dark Horse and their success with these four-issue miniseries. And uh, what was it? Even though you and I uh, don't particularly care for the written, the Greg Rucka's writing on Veil, Dark Horse seems to have discovered this, like, ass-kicking artist. Yeah. Was it Tony Fazula or something like that? Forgive me, Tony, if I'm mangling your name. But this guy is, like, leagues ahead of the script to the point where, again, the art carries the book. And uh, you know, it, 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 you're just given so much visual eye candy during him with compositions and colors and how he handles things that you don't really give a shit that there's absolutely no story underneath there. You know, it's really strange. Kind of reminds you of Heavy Metal Magazine when it was in a bad year. You had this great <laughs> art and almost a non-existent skeleton of a story, you know. Was, uh, remember Clown Fatale? Was that Image or Dark Horse? That was Dark Horse as well, I believe. It's yes. been a good year for them. It's been a good he- year for them and uh you didn't read this um obviously but they just wrapped up their star wars adaptation from the lucas rough draft and it's you know going to be one of their last star wars books and it uh it's okay for what it is but what they're doing on that side and then what they're doing on the actual uh, creator own side is very different. Um, they're re- they're they're really responding to you know the image gauntlet on the other side. Oh, very much so, very yeah. much so. And uh, the books are carefully launched, not willy nilly. Um, I wish they had a little more push behind them from the fan press because they're much better efforts than a lot of stuff you see from the mainstream press and they certainly deserve a lot more attention and sales than they've been getting you know you look at sales on veil and furious and and they're tough i mean they're what you'd expect from a lower end mainstream book to some degree even lower than marvel and dc are used to but they're so much better you know i mean furious you know dc or marvel could have made real hash with a, a comic like furious however i don't know if they would have been able to publish something that they didn't own anymore. I'm not sure either of those companies are interested in such things at this point. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read Vertigo in so long, I, I haven't even paid attention to see if the co- the creators own the copyrights on their new material. Right, I, 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 I think it's really bizarre. I was looking something up the other day, and I was amazed to find out that, that it wasn't owned by the creator. And I was like, wow, that's that's really tough because... You know, I've sold these books for years, but you, you, you kind of want to be more sympathetic to the creators. Uh, we've seen like a huge amount of explosion of uh, new creators lately on books. Was there anything that struck your eyes that uh, wanted to go? I mean, we had the, we've got that and Furious and Veil. Uh, what else was floating around lately? The the Field book. Now, field yeah, what is book. it? That's four issues, right? And these guys are all like. Is it Simon Roy and uh, what's his name, Brisson? Ed Brisson. Ed Brisson. I mean, the field is just a great little book. Now, on one hand, you know, you you could run out of patience by 
not having enough information fed to you because he's obviously leading you on a path that's going to be going somewhere else. And with the second issue, it becomes even more evident that he's feeding you more information for a big reveal. And uh, but he's only got four issues to do it in, so that's it, it's a real tight, tightly scripted. There's no space wasted, despite the fact that the plot moves along kind of slow and so forth, you know. And uh, Brisson's artwork is just really. It's Simon for Roy that. doing the art. Is it Simon Roy? On yeah, the art? he gets okay. top credit. Yeah, okay, yeah, oh yeah, that's unusual. I noticed that. Okay, yeah, that's definitely an up and coming book. You should. Uh, I don't know four issues. It's kind of funny. One of my fellow retailers in Florida complains that, uh, okay, uh, one of my, uh, you got it. One of my uh, customers, uh, or I should say fellow retailers in Florida, talks about uh, the, the things between um, ongoing series and uh, miniseries. And he doesn't like miniseries because they don't seem to have enough legs for him to sell. But at the same time, I like miniseries because they pronounce a finite end that the customer can look forward to, you know? Right. It's not like you're, you're collecting uh, frickin' Larflees or something like that, and you're like, God, and I wish this would end, but it's not going to end, you know? If you're on a budget, too, miniseries are nice because, at least in the old days, there wasn't too much overlap. Now it's going to be different because, well, actually, Image doesn't do a lot of miniseries if you think about it. Not really. They they go with and they they have a ten C to let them go as long as possible. Sometimes you know what I mean. But um, the the finale. Did you read the finale to Rocket Girl this week at all? I did, and that was a wonderful freaking comic book. I'm loving that series. I didn't think they'd be able to pull it off, uh, and really they good. did too. And I would, yeah, because they had they stumbled bad in the middle. Yeah, and, right in the middle, there's just like this wasted time that you're trying to figure out. You and know? yeah, and you know, we could talk about the auteur and that too. But yeah, and then the last couple issues of the first Rocket Girl arc just really pull it off. Yeah, right. The, the subtlety of Amy Reader's art and uh, is it Montclair? Brandon Montclair, Montclair, Brandon Montclair. Yeah, she's collaborated with this fellow quite regularly. And you know what? They just they, they seem to real, really be good for one another, and it's a nice mixture of writing and art, and it just worked out perfectly. For five issues, like, you don't get that from five issues of Marvel and DC no. stuff. No. And I mean, of, yeah, yeah, it's – Rocket Girl was a nice one, and that's another one that's taken a break and coming back, which is the new thing. And I, I we talked about this, you know, the idea of doing seasons of comic books and, you know – it's a good idea. It's I mean, a good it's idea. And it's something that I almost feel like the big two started moving toward, maybe not Marvel so much, but maybe in the 80s when they do like a four-issue mini limited series and then another four-issue limited series the next year with the same characters, same creators. Right. And then, you know, okay, you expand it to six or something, especially in this day and age when you can do trades, you can do digital, you know, you can do lots of stuff to make money in the interim. But, you know, the big two aren't really doing it, but all these indie guys are doing it probably because they've got to, you know, make money in the six months that they're not putting out their creator-owned stuff. Right, right. You'll see a lot of them do, like, fill-in issues or little work for Marvel or DC, and then the the the, the bulk of their creativity is saved for their personal cre- – which is the way it should be, obviously. Exactly. Because it pays off. I mean, Saga, 
here's a you know here's a good example of a retail retailers and publishers and creative people. Uh, of course, uh, many people know that Saga is already the best selling comic at our shop, right? And they do the six issues and a two month break and another six issues, you know. And in the two month break, they get the trade paper back out and they manage to get ahead on their deadline, so that the book is is consistently released on time every month when it's coming out for six issues. Um, it's it's hard to beat that. It really is because it seems to be the best formula for success, and you keep up the creativity and the consistency and the quality of a book by that. Now, there was there's another one that was at the latest issue uh, that faltered a bit was the auteur, which had two outstanding issues, and then the third one, which it was a little more typical in respects, like he was trying to stretch it to five maybe because this one scene with the girl and the serial oh. killer was. It was on the verge of gratuitousness, and it didn't necessarily advance the plot, and we knew it was going to happen anyway. You know and it I mean? didn't have the humor of the second issue. I mean, the second issue just had all this wonderful, uh, the way he, he plotted out the jokes, and yeah, it was just fantastic. And the first issue, you know, kind of wowed you with this <laughs> this vision of Hollywood. But yeah, the third issue is just like, oh, well... Of course this is what's going to happen, and there are no surprises. And there's like a hallucinogenic drug scene to fill like five pages, and I was like, that has nothing to do. Yeah, okay, so. I'm hoping Rick Spears didn't run out of ideas. I mean, he's only got two more to go, so we're wondering like. I think he's only got one more to go. Isn't it only four? Uh, Four or five. I think it's five, but I could be wrong. Let me look. Yeah, and it, it but but he manages to keep up the momentum a bit. But I, I, it would be very hard to beat the spectacular success of the first two issues. Right, we just wish that it wasn't like so draggy. I mean, you know, who'd imagine that a scene between a serial killer and a hot chick would be draggy? But it is. You know what I mean? And it it, it kind of works that way. Um. But the author is still still a good book, and it's still one worthy of your time. Yeah, and uh, of course for adults only, of course. But uh, you know, great, great stuff. Uh, oh, what's another one? That, did you find out the author? How many issues it's got yet? I'm still looking. I'm thinking it's. I think it's five, but my memory is not the best. So we know it's going to end in the next issue or two. So we're kind of like concerned that the the the, the lack of uh, advancement of plot. Because you don't have a whole lot of pages to work with at this point. You know, you're talking about another 35, 45 pages to the end of the story, perhaps. And uh, that, that's a lot to tie up unless this guy's going to go for a deep six early or something. You One know what? A court, I can't find anything anywhere else. The first story arc has five parts. And it's, right. it's on the internet, says that comic book database is an ongoing. So maybe okay. they haven't decided yet. I can't imagine this is an ongoing, to be honest with you. I think that that would be a mistake to make the auteur an ongoing. It's not that kind of story. Yeah, it's not very – it doesn't have um, – it's not very episodic in that you could do like the creation of one movie and then the next. But what else – what other new books did we want to talk about? Well, let's see here. There's the Mark Millar's new effort, which uh, – Yeah, MPH. Yeah. I mean I think – what was it in the editorial in there? It, it's kind of funny. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the book itself, but he said Mark Millar, after his experiences with, what is it, Kick-Ass and uh-huh. one, Jupiter's Legacy, he, he's personally vowing 
to have most of the issues in the can before he even starts publishing. Because I guess he's getting an awful lot of um, curious seekers like I do at the shop. Like, hey, where's the next issue of Jupiter's Legacy? Or has Kick-Ass come out yet? There's only one more to go, you know. And we're talking about months between issues. Um, but he learned with Starlight and MPH to get professional artists who can do a deadline. Right. And uh, with uh, Goran Parloff on Starlight and the uh, really spanking gorgeous art of uh, Duncan Fergredo yep. on MPH, um, he's got a couple of hits on his hand that, that actually point towards a mature side of him that I'm not sure existed prior to these books. Well, and I mean, you didn't read it, but... I, I I used to stand by his his early Swamp Thing run, and I, I still do after I read him again. I think oh, he's, he's he just went through too much commercial success and never. Yeah, yeah, he he's had the most success out of any comic book writer, I especially think. a creator owned. You know, like if you wanted to stack him up against Bendis, you could say Bendis has made you know working at Marvel work out for him better. But it hasn't gotten him the movie money himself. So Right, right. And he doesn't own anything that's become successful either. You know what I mean? That's that's the key thing. Exactly. I mean, I mean you've got like, oh, all these guys. I mean, I think, what is it? Is there a property that Mark Millar has wrote in the last six or eight years that has not been optioned? I mean, that that's 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 a success for a writer, I think, anyway. And uh, yeah. Well, MPH is good. It gives you the first piece of a story. Um, despite the fact that the guy, the, the main protagonist is a loser in jail that you're not particularly sympathetic towards, still works. And uh, the simplistic uh, device used to propel the, the main plot idea still, I don't know if it has to be explained, but the guy takes pills that are labeled MPH. So it's like you can't get a simpler, more stupider origin out of somebody than that. Oh, I took these pills. That are labeled MPH, so therefore I've got super speed now. You know, I mean, that's like, I don't know, it sounds like something out of a kid's book. But it works. Um, I don't know, it, it, it caught me, it grabbed me. I'm along with the first issue. Uh, it makes me want to read a second, which is pretty good. You know, I mean, a lot of first issues make you want to throw them in the garbage. Yeah. Because they're, they're underbaked and ill-received and underdeveloped. But uh, MPH is like uh, two hits for Millar now, comic-wise. Uh, including Starlight, so I'm not sure. I, I hope they're both selling well. They're both uh, good books worthy of support, too. Yeah, and you read, and he did write The Flash for a while for DC, and I've never read any of those, but the way he depicts the super speed is really cool in MPH. Yes, um, it worked out really good. And I, you know, you gotta wonder, he for a while worked at Fox as sort of their guru of their X Men movies. Really? Like for a week, and if you if you okay. haven't seen the new X Men X Men movie, um, there's a super speed sequence in there, and if you you look at the two of them together, you kind of wonder if he got an eye if he sort of got set off by the idea for how the super speed would work because it's yeah. very similar to MPH. Right, right, but uh, a good book, beautiful, eye catching, good stuff. It's weird yeah. to read Mark Miller. It's weird. It's weird, right? Because uh, it, it wasn't somebody I dismiss out of hand. But when his his the nadir of his career is uh, kick ass and its sequels, you're like, okay, this guy has done about as far as he can go writing in comics. But he seems to have a second life with yeah. newer books, and I'm happy to be able to read them. And he's hooked up with a couple of artists who can do deadlines and get them out. So that's that's been a plus. Um, as far as new creators, God, that's a, that's a toughie. Um, 
I know you didn't read it yet. Dead Body Road finished all right, although there wasn't a whole lot of surprises. Um, God, what is this art writer's name? He did uh, Luther Strode, Justin Jordan. Okay. Um, he's more about action and speed than anything else and activities happening. He doesn't really have a lot of depth to his writing. There's not a lot of character development, but you know, I don't know. I guess Dead Body Road is one of those books that exists primarily, uh, on the artwork of Mateo Scalera, who's a gifted, uh, I'm going to assume he's Spanish, although I really don't know off the top of my head. Uh, Scalera did the, uh, really interesting, um, God, what's that book with Rick, Rick remember, uh, Black Science, and I, I'm not, I got to catch up on that, they got the trade of that out, and I want to catch up on that, but uh, Scalera is definitely a talent to watch, and his uh, cinematic attitude with Dead Body Road, um, it's worth reading, it's not deep, but it finishes nicely, and uh, I think that that's worthy of your time as well. Um, Joshua Williamson, who's got Ghosted, and uh, Nailbiter now. He's an interesting guy. He's somebody yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's got some ideas. He's we met him at the con too, and I think I walked away and I was like, I bet that guy's got a pretty, pretty good gig at like DC by the end of the year, just from yeah. the way he talked. I mean, he just had a uh, pleasant, informed, and still um, the word be. What's not, um, it's he, he knows how to explain himself and yeah. and formulate ideas and express himself uh, spontaneously. I mean, he's not yeah. one of those people in a shell or anything like that. It was it was very pleasurable to talk to. Yeah. Oh, well, you've been having fun with Stray Bullets. Uh, did you read the third issue yet? Of Killers. Yeah. 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 Let me so see. So far, so good. So far, so it good. is. I mean, it's really uh, solid. And, uh, it's it's really funny since I'm. I guess we can just talk about it right now. Since I'm going through the first series, I got eight of them to go, and it has been, I don't know, the last half of that, that comic. And there were 40 of them originally, right? And then 40 or 40. 41. Yeah, they published 41 just before the new series. And it's, it's good that he's doing six instead of an ongoing. I, yeah, about about 20 issues in, it's starting to get to be a long haul. Uh Right. We were showing some cracks in the armor, uh, yeah. repeating itself and, and not really coming up with uh, really bang up ideas on how to handle his characters, you know. You know what? I don't know. Here, here's the good thing. Should a comic book in the modern era last for 40 issues? I mean, that, that, <laughs> there, there you're coming into it. Like we talk about mini arcs. And if, and if Dave Lapham has success with this six issue killers arc, of which – even though he keeps uh, Virginia as the main protagonist, uh, he seems to bounce around enough to make them all individually be able to read issues. You don't have yeah. to read the last one in order to get that. They're all self-contained. And he really loves that format, which means he's a real comics guy. And uh, his artwork, when at its peak, is utterly unnoticeable. I mean, you don't yeah. notice how good it is. It just seems like, oh, you read the story, you see the atmosphere – He's got the uh, furnishings in somebody's house. He's got the car they drive in. He's got the hairstyles and the clothes they wear right. But yet it's very simple and it's not over-rendered and thought about. And it's right. just a really good balance between story and art with him. How did you feel? Have you read the second uh, Southern Bastards yet? I haven't. 
It's it's okay. on my list. I know. You know, it, 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 it seems like it's a mini. Uh, Jason Aaron is uh, clubbing along pretty good, and it, it's a reinforcement and a slight development of the events that happened in the first issue. Uh, a bit with one huge epiphany thrown in there. Okay. Um, involving his fa- the tree grown out of his father's grave, which was the cliffhanger from last issue. Um, so far, so good. Two issues in, Jason Aaron's still proving himself a talent with dialogue. And... Uh, huh. Well, if I don't remember to edit this out, guys, Vernon just disappeared. We didn't do introductions either. Uh huh. I'm gonna try and call him back. Apology where we got cut off. And anyway. Anyway, um, so I just realized we didn't introduce ourselves at the beginning of the. Oh, everybody, Vernon's back. Um, but we didn't introduce ourselves at the beginning of the episode. Hey, I'm Vernon Wiley, proprietor of the Comics Gallery, if you don't know by now. Yeah, and I'm Andrew Wycliffe, and my comics review blog is comicsfondle.com. So what were you saying about Southern Bastards? I says, you know, it, it, it's a, a perfectly well-formed, uh, Jason Latour's art is spot on. He's a good uh, good guy. Uh, he's an artist from the, uh, I guess I started seeing his stuff from the Hellboy, the, is it Sledge? Sledgehammer 66 series, I think it was. So he's very talented, a real good guy. Um, I'm hoping Southern Bastards does well because I really can't say I've really cared for any Jason Aaron's work since he started working at Marvel other than the <laughs> first couple of arcs of Thor. You know what I mean? He get, You can tell he loves fucking Thor, okay? I get it. Everything else, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of weird when these guys make a name for themselves. Then they go to work for Marvel, right? And their work gets sub- sublimated to like telling epic tales of Marvel's heroes. Well, um, I'll pass. I'll go with Southern Bastards if you want a good representation of Jer- Jason Aaron's work anyway. That that has been a solid read lately. And uh, let's see, we covered that. Uh, you know, I still want to keep mentioning Bob Fingerman's Minimum Wage. Minimum because he Wage. Is not, he has not let up on the gas pedal as far as stories about Bob, for Christ's sake. So is it Robert or Bob, I think? The, the main it's Rob is. in the comic, yeah. Right. And I'm like wondering how much of this is autobiography and how much of this is whatever because you know he's he's under such distress about being divorced and he he so successfully um, recreates the funk depression uh, gray area about being divorced you know and yet he keeps Bob's story interesting and doesn't let him get bogged down with the depression instead he runs into all these unique personalities in his daily life who keep him occupied. For a little while to keep his mind off his problems, and uh, the amount of sex the man has is definitely worth it. <laughs> like, <laughs> the guy's a lucky boy. What kind? Of, he knows how to draw an audience in. You know, it's like it's like good New York humor, and I'm digging. I think what five issues in, and I yeah. think he's had a real shitty one. You know, what I mean, he's had some okay ones, but that that that, that feeling he gives Rob is just perfectly uh, translated into the comic book page. And. Uh... You want to talk about Profit now? Oh, why not? Go ahead. Yak about Profit. So now, the latest issue of Profit, which, oh, I got to look up the issue number here. 42? 44? Yeah, that sounds about... Is it 44? Yeah, Yeah, it's 44. So, it's got a fill-in artist, uh, Dave Taylor, who I don't think has ever worked on the book before, and... 
It is just this crazy single issue story about oh, an alien species who I don't think we've seen before, but it's a very important alien species. And it's just this one character, and she's on a mission, and like she has like a couple side adventures, and then it, it gets very like profound at the end. And it takes place in the Prophet universe, which, if you don't know, is also what the Young Blood universe, because what Rock has grown up wasn't that his name? Rock has grown up to be a planet, and all this other right. crap. And so it's like this. It's very weird that. Um, that Roy is, or Brandon Graham, not Simon Roy, Brandon Graham has just come up with this very encompassing universe where he has enough room to tell all these fantastic stories. And I mean, this issue is just wonderful. It's what, Prophet's got, I don't know, they've been doing it now for, when was the first one, 23, 22 Something like that, yeah, just after they, 20. Was the yeah, issue. so they've had like 20, let's say 20 issues now. I'd say five of them are absolutely amazing. Right. The, 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 and like, the rest of them are all really good. Uh, yeah, but five of them are just like, this is the best comic ever, you know? It's just amazing stuff. Well, it, it takes work to read it, but I, I think it's, it's utterly amazing that uh, Brandon Graham, after 20 issues... It seems like he's just beginning to scratch the surface about and what he's going to do. And they're quitting in an issue or two, too, right? Yeah. I mean, you could pick up the average issue of Profit, and you're like, okay, I don't know what the plot's about. I don't know who these characters are, but the fucking issue is just sublime. I mean, uh, the, the I'll call her the, a star child or whatever she is, and her adventures are just if, if you took, like, one of the best issues of Heavy Metal Magazine from the 70s and 80s and just started reading one of the stories and, like, yeah, this, this is perfect science fiction fantasy. And uh, Grandin Bram's imagination, I mean, the fact that he can advance a plot line and the overall series and yet still go on these absolute tangents with characters we've never heard of before. Right. Is just a, a And are never going to hear of again. I mean, it's just right. wonderful stuff. And, yeah, it... Uh, that it's this is an issue that was that that freaking book that Vertigo book that pissed me off so much at the end. Um, What's plot? Trillium. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Prophet is sublime, and it's like it's the way. Ah, it's just even the issues where there's because I. I think we've talked about it before, but the series, when they took over, they started out with a lot of gross-out description and just, like, it's just stuff that, like, makes you uncomfortable. At some point, like, the main character screws a rock or something, or, like, a monster. But it's an insect guy who wakes him up. No, isn't it the second issue he hooks up with some, like, you know monster lady and or something. I mean, it's like, there's all this like stuff that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's uncomfortable. And then, you know, it goes from being this really quirky comic to being this really grand scale. epic grand scale. Yeah. And it's just awesome. It's just an awesome book. And yeah, I really hope that they, uh, yeah. Who does, what the hell is this guy? The, the, the fill in artist on this issue, Dave Taylor. Yeah. I mean, just, just, Gorgeous, gorgeous fucking artwork, and uh, a great issue of Profit. If you never read any other issue of Profit, this, this one, one you could read. Profit yeah, pick it up. Number right. forty-four. 
All right. And you know, there, there are some weird things going on, like the star child is female. She has a female uh, lover slash but Yeah, okay. Right so we can't we can't spoil it, though, because, I mean, that, yeah. that stuff's too good. The reveals are too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Let's, but yeah. Profit, be happy. you got, what, one or two more to One go. more issue. Yeah, just fuck it. And then we're going to go to something called Strike File, which at the top of my thing, I, I'm not sure what that means. It's, it's the name of another... Uh, title that Rob Liefeld pulled out of his ass during the old days. Okay. And they're gonna, and I think he's going to try to do six issues, much along the same lines as Profit, but hopefully try to tie up everything. Who knows? Will Profit ever be tied up? I don't know. Right. And I don't care. It doesn't exactly. matter. Yeah. Great shit. Great shit. Um, we had a couple of new books that came out this week. Uh, one of them was Warren Ellis's new book, Trees. Which I haven't Did read you yet. Yeah. You haven't read that one yet? I'd have to say that I... I I like the um, artist. It's uh, Jason Howard. He seems to be very – I mean, I don't know much about Jason Howard, but he seems to be uh, a good narrative storyteller who knows how to do uh, panel arrangements, uh, good, uh, solid technical expertise. And he, he uh, interprets uh, Warren Ellen's uh, vision quite beautifully. There's a number of pages in here that are really quite nice. And Warren Ellis's um, concept is wonderfully uh, – explained and uh, delineated by Howard about what happens when aliens take over Earth and they don't even notice humans. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting premise, but Warren Ellis seems to run with it in the first issue, and it's really grabbed my testicles enough to come back for a second one. Let's put it that way. Um, what's one that you have read? Did you read the new call yet? No. Oh, my. Yeah, we, we got to... We got to get you. Well, I, some some weeks you're ahead, like on the last podcast. Yeah, see, ahead. some weeks Today, I'm ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl is a, another image effort from Kyle Higgins and artist Alex Siegel, who seems to be in the Bill Sinkowitz school of illustration. So he's pretty seasoned and knows how to do panel to panel narratives. And right. it's about superheroes that exist in Chicago. I would say what in the '40s initially, or actually, excuse me, 1962 is where the first issue takes place. And uh, while not quite on the deep level, it's it's a nice, uh, what do you call that, uh, approach to superheroes that I haven't seen before. So even though it's a superheroish comic, um, I think it'll appeal to mainstream people just because of the quirkiness of it and the constructed uh, story, which just lays out really good, about a group of superheroes in early 60s Chicago. Nice stuff. I, I would recommend the first issue for that for everybody, too. Anything else you want to cover as far as new stuff? No, I haven't read anything. I read uh, Star Trek. Well, and well, well, let's get in an argument then. Okay? All right. We, we talk about Profit being a good series where the writer introduces uh, endless amounts of new concepts seamlessly into it. Uh-huh. Uh, let's talk about Suicide Risk, which uh, does much the same thing, but perhaps on less of a smooth, balanced nature. Um, well, you, what, what, now what did you feel about the latest issue of Suicide Risk? I'm done. I'm finally done. Now, what made you done with it? I let's can't deal really with somebody doing an homage to Highlander to the Quickening. That's what what you're talking about is all this introduction of new ideas. The problem with it on suicide risk is it's they're not new ideas. He's recycling them from other comics, other movies. He's just he's just throwing stuff in to try and keep this comic going. 
Well, you know that that we talked about this too because it was like I'm I'm, I'm really I, I like Suicide Risk. I like its execution. I'm not familiar with the ideas that you're talking about, so they don't hit me the same way they do you. And I'm still curious about what's going on. But the endless introduction of new characters and new ideas is not helping this strip. No, um, and I mean it's gotten to the point now where if you're you know in five issues, you're like so in issue seventeen, you find out that. They really were real people, but they dreamt they were bad guys who got exiled to another world. I believe that because there's – okay, so the book's called Suicide Risk. It's called Suicide Risk because the series was initially about a cop who took a drug or something that turned him into a superhero so he could fight supervillains. It's right, now this mystical sci-fi just – it's just like it, – it's mystical with – Superheroes. It's very weird and goofy. Well, you know, and, uh, in the latest issue, what do they do? They they establish the fact that Earth, or at least our Earth and our dimension, is a prison planet for a for, yeah, and yeah. I just can't do it anymore. I mean, yeah. this guy, it, the books had problems for ever, really, because you'd have the protagonist's family disappear for three days. Or three issues. And then you're, they come back in for a second. It's like, well, they're not really characters in this book. You're just throwing them in there as um, cannon fodder or potential cannon fodder to, like, worry the reader. It's it's pointless. I just, yeah, yeah I just can't. Yeah, humans, humans are, I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite sure I've, I've written it off quite as much as you because I do enjoy Mike Carey. Yeah. Except, though, that his his writing excesses are not tempered again by an editor. Okay, someone's got to say, like, dude, you don't have seventy-five issues like you do with Lucifer or uh, Unwritten, uh, right? Okay, you got to get this tied up within a year or two because your numbers are not going to support a book sale. And for more than yeah, years. and what's frustrating about that is Mike Carey's a guy who's, who's who's had two series get canceled on him that he had plotted out for forty issues. Remember? Eggs. Right, and you can't do that in today's market. It's, you it's can't do that anymore. No, you no; those days are gone. You you can plot forty, but you better be able to resolve it in ten or twelve. In case right, canceled. And then if you want to start it up again, that's great. But but suicide risk. As much as I enjoy the book, and I don't have the same problems that you do about it. I mean, I like I like what's going on, and it, the the constant involvement of new ideas doesn't hurt me. But it stresses the patience of a reader or a new reader. It's it's almost impenetrable. Oh, if you, don't you start could not pick beginning. this book up. You could not be like, I like the unwritten, so I'm going to go read you know issue twelve of Suicide Risk. You'd be like, what the it, hell is going happened. on? Right. Yeah. I, I love su. I, I like Suicide Risk. I want to succeed, but Carrie is going to have to start putting his ducks in a row and figure out what this adds up to. And if he doesn't do it soon, it'll be a failed experiment. And he really, I don't think he wants that because his career at DC is almost over now with right. about seven more issues of the unwritten to go. And most creators who have any chops now are investigating other options with other companies. You know what I mean? Because Marvel and DC are not the house of ideas right. or anything that you want to work at anymore. So Suicide Risk is given with reservations by me, but still not a bad book if you're a superhero fan. But again, Andrew does have some great points about, you know, where are we going with this fucking thing? You know, I mean, and the rehash stuff. I mean, thank God I'm not a Highlander fan. Otherwise, I'd probably be pissed off too, you know. I'm not pissed off because I'm a Highlander fan. I'm pissed off because it's a terrible idea and you shouldn't rip off a terrible idea <laughs> unless you're going to make it amazing and you can't because it's that bad of an idea uh but 
we did want to talk about um, – I was trying to segue from Boom to our discussion of uh, online reviews and – Oh, yeah. That, that's a tough yeah. one. Yeah. at the nip on that one, I tell you. So um, Vernon uh, noticed that a couple books that we panned the crap out of – Pan uh, big time, mother – they got really good reviews online. Uh, the books in question are Genesis, right? That's one what it's called. Yep. A really crappy double-sized one-shot. And then uh, Madam Frankenstein from Oni, which Vernon actually liked a little oh, bit image. more than I did. What? That's, that's image. image. Image, yes. Oh, that's right. It's just by the guy who used to like run Oni or work right. there exclusively. That Vernon liked a little bit more than I did, but I, I liked less, I think, than Genesis for just because of – stupidity factors in the in the narrative but, but but the online reviews from these books no matter where you go are sparkling they're just and, and I, yeah yeah and you don't understand what well, were we re- were we reading the same books because yeah and then we found these books horrible i mean on a scale of one to five if you were going to give a, a, a star value to genesis i think i'd give it half a star right and if I was going to give Madame Frankenstein, I'd give it a one star just because the creators have slightly more talent. And that's See, the only yeah. reason. But they're getting three and a half, four, four and a half star reviews online, and I just don't get it. And I'm like, go ahead. Talk well, about my thought, because we were talking about this pre-show, was I bet these online reviewers get um, critics' copies. And one of the things about getting a critic's copy is is you don't want to uh, lose your critic's copies. You don't want to get um, you don't want to get taken off that mailing list once you get on it. And I'm not on the list for uh, either of those. Actually, wasn't I on the list for Genesis? I might have been on the list for Genesis, um, but I wasn't. Was for, yeah, I wasn't for Madame Frankenstein, and I. Currently, the only one I think I'm on the list for is um, I get Boom Stuff, uh-huh. which is why, why there's now the failed segue between Suicide Risk and, and this topic. And um, it came up because we, I was saying how it's, it's my understanding from a bunch of movie bloggers that if you get a free copy of something – you have to say, I received a free copy of this. You should start that way. And so, like, you know, is that different for digital? I mean, that's not worth anything. A, a, a crappy PDF of uh, uh, Genesis is not has no resale value. Um, it has questionable retail value, too, because, like, the Boom uh, reader uh, critics' copies I get, those are really crappy. It looks like they're the proof that they send to um, someone, uh, probably back to the writer or the editor to check out because the art's really low resolution and the uh, yeah, word balloons are on a um, they're on a different layer in the publishing software. So I mean, these are not really nice copies. These, if if you paid. Whatever a digital comic costs, a buck ninety nine, two ninety nine, three ninety nine for the copies I read of uh, like Robocop: The Last Stand, you'd be really pissed off at the quality you get on these things. And 
you know, so do people not feel the need to say they got a critic's copy? I personally, and it, I don't do, when I get a screener uh, for the stop button, my movie uh, response blog, and when I get critics' copies for Comics Final, I don't, I don't actually specify that I got them because I do not talk about the presentation. So that is somewhat disingenuous of me, but, you know, I try not to read crap, so I would read this stuff anyway. About the only difference is I try uh, a lot more boom stuff, probably, number ones than I otherwise would. But you never know. I mean, you know... Maybe I'd pick up Nightbreed number one, and I discovered the uh, the Planet of the Apes from uh, Gabriel Hardman. That was really right, cool. right. Creators, things you hear about, right? So yeah, and so are these critics uh, who are getting these people really good notices when you search for their really bad comic? You know, are they friends of the guy at Madame Frankenstein? You know, he certainly would not be someone that you wanted to be unfriendly to. Um, the Genesis thing is even more perplexing because it's really insipid. It is a really dumb It, it is the most navel-pleasing. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's like 40 pages of fucking dumb with, and, with artwork that looks like it was done on an iPhone through Photoshop. It, yeah, so I mean, you're just kind of like... Who are they, you know, who's this critic sucking up to at this point? What is the payoff here? And this actually is a really funny, um, really funny parallel because, you know, when comics blogging got big was when Marvel was, well, when it started getting big, uh, was back when Marvel was doing the Epic relaunch where they were hiring online comics reviewers, to do comics. And it's like, okay. so, you know, 10 years of sucking up to Marvel online, you get to do an epic series. Paid off. You got a job. You got, yeah. So it's like, are these people hoping someday that they can, it's, it's. I, I don't understand it. I mean, your job as a comics reviewer is, is not necessarily to be kind. It's to be honest about what right. you're reading. And, and then you can be honest in a way that is not, uh, nasty or mean, but you know, if you state facts one at a time, the person who did the book would have a hard time arguing with you if you stated facts. And and I'm not quite sure. Like, and, and it's really a disservice to people who look online for exactly uh, what that's to find out what they what they want to read, what's good, what's bad. I mean, I looked. If you look up Genesis, the comic book reviews. You're going to find a half a dozen reviewers that give it greater than three and a half stars. And I wouldn't line my fucking cat pan with this book. It is just – and it, it, it's seven bucks a hit. Oh. It's a highway robbery. I mean I, as a retailer, I had ordered eight copies of this thing. And I, as soon as I read it, I was going to throw them out in the recycling bin. I says, well, no, maybe I can get something. So I put 99-cent stickers on them and I sold half of them. And I did it with the caveat that you're getting 99 cents worth of comic here. It's not – you know, I swear to God, I'm so pissed off. You know I mean? I paid – what is it? Uh, Three fucking fifty a piece for these things, and they suck. And I look online, and I'm like, "What? What? What? You know, a good editor would have been honest with these two creators and saying, "Okay, your pitch is insipid, boring." Well, I, an editor would be nicer than that, but they would say, "Go back to the drawing board and try again." After reading something like Genesis, now let's Matt, not forget, of course, Genesis is from Image. 
And so is so is Madame Frankenstein. So is Madame Frankenstein. Madame Frankenstein has some really slick art, and it's got a creator and whatever whoever wrote it. That guy's well known, but nobody on Genesis is known except maybe the artist. The writer is some dipwad who wrote crappy New Fifty Two comics. Mm. Um, and but another the artist, you know, I I read an interview with the artist, and she found this guy to write her crappy script from her ideas. Yeah. I, I just. Kind of want to point out that um, Eric Larson turned me and Damien Cusiero down many years ago <laughs> on our series. And Damien Cusiero has grown into a fan-freaking-tastic artist, too. Right, so. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's all relative matters and politics, I guess, to some degree. But uh, both of these books just sucked holy head. And, uh, you know, the, the titty fascination in Madame Oh, Frank, yeah, that is I weird, yeah. Yeah, I mean – Okay, we got a dead body resurrected of a bald chick, and for some reason, after the initial scene of uh, resurrection, they can't find a shirt for her for the rest of the fucking series. And then when Doc Frankenstein is having this epiphany in a field involving fairies that appear out of nowhere, of course they're naked to have titties. I think I counted something like 21 sets of titties in this entire book. That's a lot. And I'm like, really? 21 sets of Especially titties? Especially when you think about it otherwise, the book is totally acceptable for all ages. Right. There right. are no There's complex no... ideas in here. It's no. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and you know, and, 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 and you know what? If you want to be a voyeur or a, or, or, or a fan of, of of semi-nude teaser literature, you're going to be bored because all the titties are the same size and the same shape. So whoever drew these titties has a certain type of titty they like to draw. Okay. And then this. <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm looking at all the weird, fascinating things about this book, and none of them add up to why a good comic is produced. Only we find like self uh, self satisfying pablum from the creators. I, I I again I think Image did a dis a big disservice to the creators of this book by letting them print it, but yet this book is getting great reviews. Uh, I'm like what what what. This thing sucks. Of course, you can find it at my store. I think I still got a couple copies left at 99 cents, but please come and buy them from me. Um, the editor, you know, there, there is no editor listed on Young Frankenstein, by the way. I, I didn't look on Genesis, but uh, I said, who's the editor on this thing when you got – I said they're accounted 22 sets of breasts. And I go back and I go, you know, if there was an editor on this book, he hid his name or got rid of it because no editor in the world would allow you to print this comic and not mention something about its glaring – uh, obstacles to being a good comic book. Well, let's see what what's another one um, that's been getting good reviews. It's not quite as bad, is it? And, and I really like the writer uh, Joe Keating's on uh, Shutter. I read the first issue and I just I don't know. In Image now, Image now has their marketing guy send me emails if I don't order as many copies of issue two as issue one. <sighs> And I got an email from them saying, well, you know, we noticed that you drastically cut copies for Shutter number two when it was being given all these great reviews and stuff. And it's like the person does – I don't even know if the person read the book. Maybe they did. Maybe they're excited about it. But they haven't read as many comics as I have because it really wasn't an original idea in Shudder about the daughter of an explorer oh, all different God. dimensions. It, you know and, what? Um, what? What do I know? Come on, out with it. What if that book had been... Remember Rakito, which has probably come up multiple times? Um, you know, if they'd handled the exploration... I, yeah, I mean, it's just a bad... 
bad book. And I remember before I read it, you were like, it's getting a lot of like hype. And I was like, it's just crap. I hadn't even read it at that point. I know. And after I read it, I was like, uh, it's still slight. You know what I mean? It's very slight. In terms of and it's content. too bad because, you know, yeah, we talked about this with um, probably Madam Frankenstein that at this point with Image, you feel the need as a retailer to stock Image First titles. And of course. I feel the need to read Image First titles, and it has really not paid off for either of us in a lot of instances lately. Right, because they, they don't really fully uh, facilitate uh, editorial uh, guidance over their creators as much as they should. Exactly. I, mean, you know, I, I think the... they're being really, as they're trying to expand, I think they're being very um, permissive in what they're, they're going to pick up. Now, is, that, is, is, it, is it dishonest? You know, here's this whole thing of dishonesty. You get guys who guys and girls who are doing online reviews of books, giving them glowing reviews, which in turn pique customers' curiosity to come in and check out a book and perhaps buy it. Right. And then you've got some dishonesty going on with the lack of editorial guidership saying, do you say, oh, you know, we can print this book. We can get it out there, you know, and yet – no one's going to buy, like, past issue two of Madame Frankenstein, and I'm really – Daughter will be successful on wrong points if it's successful at all. Um, it, there's a certain dishonesty going on here that really hurts it because when I sell comics as a retailer, I sell them on the basis of quality, originality, and longevity in the customer's mind. Right. And I don't see any of those criteria being exercised in the creation well. of the book first place i mean it's actually um i'm sure image has gone through this before and i just don't know because i i've never really cared before but it's sort of the same thing where you have marvel guys and you have dc guys you have people who are faithful to the publisher because you know whatever percentage of their books they they you read uh is rewarding to a sufficient point and you know it's like what is it? DC lost people with the new 52. Who knows when Marvel loses people? I, you know, If I read a DC book now, it's really rare. But when I was at your shop, I probably bought 10 of them a month, maybe right, 15, right. 16. And it's because they're not doing anything good or interesting anymore. And at least they had a period before the new 52 where they were just being you know, mediocre in, in terms of – ideas not necessarily cheaping out on the talent which is what they're doing now um and you know i think image we've talked about how they're like trying to grow into their new um position in the marketplace and i just think that there is a a great deal of dishonesty going on because we we when they launched a bunch of stuff we placed x as readers and retailers you place x amount of trust in them and exactly. now they're not, they're not paying off on that trust. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, like, well, you, 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 and I, I, I guess I, I really value my, my position as a retailer because I can't lie to my customers. I can't tell them that a book is good or that it's acceptable when it isn't. And it's very difficult to try to earn a living when the comic book companies or at least some people within them are engaging in a dishonest uh uh, display of their wares and the whole internet. I mean, you really got to look hard to find 
good online comic book criticism or honest opinions on things. I mean, at one point, you and I wrote off Newsarama as basically being an organ of the big two, despite its origins with indie people who started the site. Right. And at this point, comic book resources, eh, same not at this thing. Point. Same I mean, thing. It's just they're just people shilling to suck up the ass of Marvel and DC editors hoping to get a job. And it, maybe I'm wrong, but you know what? It still comes across that way to me, you know? I, you know, um, I always got a lot of uh, – speak going back to Boom, there was a guy at Boom who used to be in charge of their marketing. And I think with Boom, I actually used to get um, – when I got critics reader copies, I actually used to get mailed reader copies before wow. they switched over to PDF. Yeah. And, you know, we talked at length about a number of things over the years. Um, he's not with Boom anymore. But one of the things he said to me, which I found kind of stunning because I was – when Boom started and I was getting the – I was – How would I put it? Uh, my reviews were a lot more complimentary than I think they'd be today. Um, but eventually, you know, I started just – well, I was also doing promotional interviews for Boom at the time. So I too was hoping to someday get, you know, a gig at Boom if such a thing no, existed. No, no, no rose-colored glasses for you there. Yeah. So – but at, at a certain point, it, it became clear that uh, – I, I was giving lots of negative reviews to Boom Books um, that I was receiving as, as critics' copies. And I was talking to the guy about it, and he, he paid me some compliment about how I, I, I cut things down, you know, to the – like Cut to the chase. Cut to the chase with things, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, thank you. I mean, I just crapped all over every book you released this week, but, you but know, still thanks. still admire writing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Thank you for that compliment. So, I mean, yeah, and I remember at one point um, quite a few years ago, I, I wrote reviews for a, uh, a website as, as one of their staff reviewers. And so I would talk about the process of reviewing with the other staff writers and – I didn't change my style very much, and I quit doing it once they uh, instituted a actual um, – how the review was going to read. You'd have an introduction. You'd have a recap of the last issue. You'd have – and then you'd – you know, your comments. Oh, were, so they're literally telling you the structure of how they want. They're, the yeah. They're telling you the structure of how they want the review. And I was like, you're not paying me. This is a terrible idea. Why would I do this? Um, so I didn't do it. But, you know, I did talk to some of the guys before I quit. Um, some of the other reviewers about how they did this stuff. And yeah, it's just, you know, do you really need to read a review of something that goes on at length about how much you, loved the character from when you were eight and you had the Secret Wars figure. I, Which had nothing to do with the It comic. has nothing to do with the actual comic, and all it has to do with is sort of distracting the reader from the fact that you're not actually going to say much about the comic, that, uh, that you don't actually have any observations about the comic, because it's very hard um, 
that, that I've noticed um, as I sort of toggle between reviewing uh, new comics and reviewing old comics is, you know, there's this whole thing about the word count in the Stan Lee Spider-Man comics and how they took so much longer to read because Stan had, you know, half a novel worth of words in one issue. And, and he like, was self-editing. <laughs> and he was self-editing. And so, yeah, guess what? It, it, there's a lot more to talk about when there's a lot more going on because one thing I have not seen, and if anybody out there can can point me to this and you know, leave a comment on the Facebook page. I've not seen a comics review blog that actually focuses on the art in a professional, critical way. Right, yeah. Because nobody has time for that. You would have no time for that for free. Like, you just right. don't. Right, most, most, most comic art criticism online is a free job. Right. I mean, you just right. don't have time for this anymore. And it's, yeah... So anyway, what what else do we have to talk about? Well, I, I I would just say say that the image, while they're they they have they lack a somewhat you know, and the funny thing is, image is split up into what six or seven different. They have labels stuff. now, yeah, right. And some of these groups have much stronger editors than others. So don't don't like uh, think of our pans of these two image books as indicative of the entire line. Image is probably the most progressive. Uh, interesting. And yeah, and I mean they've got, they've got, they finally turned out stuff that we read from Top Cow. Even with yeah, crappy there you... art, there's that Tales oh. of Honor book, man. That had some really crappy CGI art the last issue, but it's still a really good book. It, it was still readable yep. and still satisfying as a read. And uh, you know it, they're doing some smart things as far as price points. Um, their their books are still two ninety nine to three fifty versus three ninety nine for like all of Marvel's product and all the big guns at DC. So you're getting a better value per book. Plus, when they do the collected trades, a majority of them are nine ninety nine. Okay, uh, and and some creators go for the fourteen ninety nine price point, but you're not going to see a, 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 an introductory volume of Image Comics at more than fourteen ninety nine, and a lot of them are ten fucking dollars. Pretty Deadly, Black Science, uh, Manifest Destiny, uh, the initial sagas. These were all nine ninety nine trades, which means they're working hard to get you to try something and giving you excellent value for your money, as opposed to someone like DC that introduces hardcovers for twenty dollars of absolute shit, and then three months later rele- releases a five dollar cheaper trade paperback of absolute shit. And then Marvel trade paperbacks. Oh, oh, here, here's two shiny examples of why I can't stand Marvel's collection program. Uh, they recently released the Miracle Man. Uh, hard edited. Cover. Let's not forget they're edited. For some fucking for some fucking reason, they need a hardcover of Miracle Man. For twenty nine ninety nine, you get the first four issues of Miracle Man and all the bullshit back matter that no one gives a rat's ass about. So, and I said, that is the worst fucking value I've ever seen on anything. And, and you know, you, you got this absolutely wonderful book by Alan Moore that deserves all the attention it can get and presenting it to a new audience. And what do they do? They fuck you up the ass with $30. Another example is the recent uh, Devil Dinosaur trade. Okay, Devil Dinosaur ran, I think, in the 90s for nine issues on Jack Kirby's second stand at Marvel. You know what? 
it's not great Jack Kirby, but it's fun. Each issue is individually read. Jack Kirby is a lesson to still, even in his his older age, he's still a great guide for younger artists to learn how to construct a story and depict it on six panel pages, for Christ's sakes. And yet this devil dinosaur trade with nine issues of material that's 20 fucking years old is twenty four ninety nine. And I'm like, I'm selling the old beat up comics for two bucks a hit, man. I mean, you can go and find these issues for 50 cents to a dollar to two dollars. And or you can pay twenty four ninety nine for the privilege of reading up through Marvel's co- beautiful collection. And I'm like, you want to encourage people to read shit. You don't want to just fuck them in the ass and and steal their money, okay? And that's what I think that that hardcover from Miracle Man. I mean, you know, I had t- I had two people pre order that fucking thing for me, and I talked them out of buying it because it was such a bad value. Now I know I'm going to go out of business any day because of this attitude, but I couldn't let my customers go away. Not knowing what a shitty value this book was. Here's the thing. I wonder if they're pricing those so incredibly high in order to uh, come up with the money to pay Neil Gaiman to finish it. Well, either that or I think uh, Marvel started their outrageous uh, collection uh, prices about a year or two ago. I think it was to combat Amazon's pricing strategy. Because oh. Amazon typically goes 30 to 35% below retail. And let me tell you. 30 to 35% below retail, 30, 30 bucks for a Miracle Man hardcover that sucks shit is still no deal. <laughs> I, I just, I can't recommend, I mean, they're both beautiful books. They both got some primo work by primo creators, but are they a good value? No. I'm done. I can't whine anymore. <laughs> but you know what? It, what was it? Most of these books that we reviewed today, let's see. Uh, let's see. They're either they're either they're they're all either are image. The majority of them are image, or they're dark horse or a couple of onis. I mean, the intellectual creative bankruptcy going on at Marvel and DC right now. Well, especially DC, they're the big ones because I notice more and more their artists are foreign. Okay, and this is not new to comics. It's very typical for comic book companies to hire studios overseas to produce cheap content for them. Okay, but to masquerade this as your main line and everything is just pretty awful. And and these three weeklies that they've launched are just siphoning away talent that they don't have to launch new books. Okay, you're you're talking about three three weeklies that are are twelve fucking issues a month of content, and it's not worth buying. I'm really sorry. I mean. I, I the Batman Eternal series is sinking fast. I'm not touching the DC New Fifty Two Futures End because that looks like a a fucking steaming pile of horseshit. And uh, I don't know what the third weekly title is, but I'm I'm likely not going to be with that either. I don't even carry the last two in the shelf. I mean, we carry Batman Eternal, but his numbers have gone to about a third of what they weren't were eight issues ago. So I'm like, granted, my customers are a little more informed than the average comic store customers because I go out there and beat them with a stick if they pick up a bad comic. But I don't see any way out of DC other than firing the creative geniuses who are running this company and starting from scratch again. Well, I think at one point they're going to have to hire somebody else to do their, they're going to have to franchise. They're going to franchise it out. I mean, did you see the news that, um, they've stopped giving free comics to, they've stopped giving comp copies at DC. Really? Why? Because yeah. it sucks so bad nobody wants to read them? And they come you know, 
I I can't. We've talked about how they're the last thing Warner Time Warner has, or whatever it's called, uh, AOL Time Warner has doing with um, the last. It's their last print business, and yeah, I don't see it going. It's just I don't happen. either. Especially when you think about the fact that they are able to grow um, fan bases in new media. Like okay. there are people out there who really dig their cartoons, right? right there are right. crazy the flash, Smallville fans. Yeah, and that five-minute Flash preview is going to get people to right. watch that show. There's, there's the Arrow people. There's the Flash people. I think that it, it, they've hit a point where, yeah, they just don't have anything. Go- they have no – I mean their there's sales don't reflect it yet, except it, you're, you're – now again, looking there. at the time where they're going to have to to be profitable, realistically, they would probably have to cancel everything except their super or their Batman comics. Just like right. they were going to have to cancel everything but their Superman comics back in the seventies. Right. Like, if it doesn't have the holy trinity of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, it, it's guaranteed to fail, and it's very I mean, sad. Green Lantern's not even as popular as he was five years ago, right? Oh Jesus! I mean, you got four Green Lantern books, and they all suck shit. All right. Sorry. Yeah, no shit. I'm like, um, oh, there, there are bright points. There are bright points. Just, just go to your comic book retailer and beg him for good comics. He will show you good comics, providing fucking reads good comics. Uh, huh. Yeah, right. I'm out of subject. What do you? Yeah. Think? Anything else? No. Hey, we will be six weeks next time. Yeah. Yeah, we did good. A little over an hour. Not yeah, bad. Not bad. All well, right. Kids, we've done everything we could for you to steer you in the right direction. Let's hope you listen because we love you all. <laughs> uh, is there anything else? I don't know. I'm playing that Injustice game that you don't give a shit about. It's a lot of fun on the iPad. You should get it. Yeah, I, I bet it is. Oh, yeah, like I've got so many hours to spend in the day playing video games. I don't think so. I think I'd rather masturbate after a couple of beers. But anyway, how do you answer that, right? You can't. You're Okay, yeah. I, all right, everybody. Have a good night. All right, you guys take it easy. We'll see you next time. We'll try to be a little faster, okay? But we do love comics despite – you know, if Andrew and I didn't love comics, we wouldn't sit here and talk about them for an hour, okay? If we hated them, we wouldn't but, – but there are good comics. We love them. We try to expose them Go to buy you. Profit 44. There you go. Just go get Profit 44. That's it. Right. Skip that fucking latest issue of Detective Comics and, and go, go get Profit 44. 44. Right. And we're yeah. done on that. All That's right. That's it. Bye. Thanks, kids. Bye.